for the people who might be wondering what i have been saying in the end of my last few episodes toot scenes is dutch for see you later and doei is a dutch slang for bye but since we are just starting here i want to say hoi which is hi or hello in dutch and why is that because we are talking about how is it to do an mba in the netherlands in the city of maastricht i am parth and you are listening to dhwani we discussed about how it was in terms of our personal reality being a student here what we were thinking before coming here and what are the difficulties while looking for jobs in the last episode which was part 1 of this discussion if you haven't listened to that i would request you to first go and do that and then come back to this part again it will be much better trust me in this part we talk about especially may talks about some very interesting suggestions that she has for a lot of entities connected to the area of education job hunting and everything else with respect to the challenge is that we have faced ourselves so please make sure that you listen to the whole episode it's going to be very very useful by the time you listen to this episode i would have moved to athens in greece hopefully with not a lot of difficulties if this movement affects the schedule of this podcast i will surely let you know but for now it's going to be the same again since we are no experts we are just going to talk about our personal experiences what we think and what can be done to avoid some situations that we might have faced during our masters and afterwards during the time of job seeking no intentions whatsoever to hurt anyone in any way and with that disclaimer let us begin with the remaining discussion with my lovely friend may heavy go all of these we're amending and editing our CVs mm-hmm. so that we can rig the system get the ATS to select, select us and mm. how efficient is that and i have also a yeah. nice story i heard from yeah. a headhunter yeah. she was telling us that some people would copy a lot of keywords from the job post yeah. and then they would paste it in a place in their CV in a white font yeah. so that the ATS would register all keywords yeah. when the recruiter sees the CVs he won't see yours because anywhere they just yeah. put it put somewhere on the Shit. So to me, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. So if you're rigging the system, you're gonna find it's just when you create a loophole, yeah. you're gonna see more loopholes. So yeah. if you yeah. found a way to infiltrate, you know, to screen applicants so quickly based yeah. on binary criteria, of course you're gonna find people will get creative to rig and the system rig the back. System, yeah. yeah. And so many HR experts that I'm watching and reading and listening to, many of them, this statement mm-hmm. is everywhere. The system, the recruitment system, is unfair. You yeah. have to stand out. Yeah. And when I hear this to me i take it it frustrates me a little so because if we Absolutely. know that the system is rigged and it's unfair yeah let's change you... it it's, it's not a physical fact it's not a biological fact yeah, we can yeah. we can change it so yeah. it seems that that the the way that recruitment is being solved is by the introduction of machines mm-hmm nobody wants to spend money on hr yeah, but, no but i mean yeah why why are we addressing a consequence why not go to exactly. the specific uh, root cause of the problem exactly. if the recruitment system is inefficient you're getting a lot of applicants who don't match the roles your problem is you want to receive applicants that match the role not to reject yeah, people yeah. so yes with the ats it feels like for example i've applied to the same job one with a specific cv mm-hmm. and one with an ats friendly, friendly cv yeah, yeah. one was rejected and the other was accepted 
accepted. Okay. And when I was looking at the, you know, my, my application from the first CV was rejected in less than an hour. When I saw that it's less than an hour, like, what happened? No, yeah. definitely no human has no human, touched yeah. it. And Absolutely. I was, yeah. and I was a good match to the role. Without those keywords and everything, right? It was even worse than the keywords. It was that uh, ATS systems yeah. don't, mostly, mostly, what, yeah. from what I've been told, do not read the yeah. contents of tables. And to me, it, to me, I feel that if there's a system that does not read contents of table or special characters yeah. and cannot really assess synonyms yeah. or sentences structures, how is it being used to assess people who are human beings who are very complex beings and assess their potential? How is a machine that cannot this algorithm, this yeah, uh, ATS, who cannot really tell the difference between which word and which word is used, are, can yeah. assess our potential? Super unfair. So, this is like. Yeah, so, so, so I feel there is a mismatch between, for example, the HR field talks about, about yeah. doing and what it's actually doing. Yeah. Because I'm hearing a lot of talk about, you know, managing your, the performance of your employees and your applicants yeah. based on what they can do, not what they have done, not yeah. their past performance. Yeah. But then when you come to their recruitment, all they look at is your past experience, not That's what it, you're yeah. willing to do with it. Yeah, they, I, exactly, exactly. Th yeah, that, that was so, my next point. And I also want yeah, to yeah. add about the yeah, ATS yeah. thing is, that it's a very new technology it's yeah. it's being used in mass and job seekers and job hunters they, we don't know the perspective of the recruiters when mm -hmm. it comes mm -hmm. to ATS how are you using it what should we do to submit good applications to use the ATS for our benefit we don't know that perspective mm -hmm. we don't even know how many CVs recruiters receive for example so we cannot really assess how much can we stress on them to get a personalized feedback for why our, yeah. our application was rejected yeah. because we don't know what they're going through yeah, yeah and when we try to look up and i tried to look up a lot but i want to know what the perspective of the hr recruiter and the the hr manager what do you see mm -hmm. and we get all these idealistic articles about everyone talking about enriching people and developing them and encouraging them and go for your passion and beautiful beautiful words yeah, yeah. but they're not real I mean, but it's and not happening in the what end. is the use of poetry if we cannot use it in our daily lives yeah, and yeah. i would much rather the recruiter would come telling me if you do not match the job posting 100% do not waste my time to me this is not being mean this is actually helping me and him right. and them you know save right. energy and right. save uh, time right. now for example with the motivation letters maybe your CV is very specific to one sector you're you're attempting a career mm -hmm. change so you have the motivation letter that kind of you have the intent and the passion the and everything the intent and passion and the experience and some ideas about yeah, what you, yeah, want to, you want to how do you want to help right. the, the, right. the company but not everyone reads the motivation letter. Some recruiters say, write it short, some write it long, keep it simple, keep it innovative. Yeah. We, we don't want it at we all. We, yeah, yeah uh, it's confusing about that. And yeah. so we don't know what can we do to make the recruiter's life easier. Yeah. For example, the result of this misalignments between us and the recruiters, mm -hmm. we get many, for example, the motivation letter, which we pour our heart and soul into. We mm -hmm. have to tailor it yeah. a lot to make a good case. Yeah. Would not be read even. Yeah, that's so very for, disheartening. Yeah. And this is why, for example, we yeah. would like to hear from HR, from the HR's perspective. Yeah. At least tell us. Yeah, tell us. What do happened? you want a motivation letter of 300 words? Is this what you... Yeah. I was wondering maybe if companies could, all of them have like an HR blog on their website or somehow yeah. so that yeah. they would each yeah. 
explain still, what yeah. they see or maybe also help I us agree. as job hunters yeah. to tell them about our experience with them what can we do yeah. to discuss so that at least this ever morphing gap that yeah. we were talking about earlier yeah. on you and I between the required mm-hmm. skills mm-hmm. and the skills available in the labor market yeah. there's an ever morphing gap why is it ever morphing because everyone is working in a different direction yeah. recruiters are this way innovators are this technology is this way job applicants is, yeah. are this way and unless you're in the company you don't know what is needed yeah so we need to communicate a little bit yeah. so that job hunters job seekers would acquire the skills that are needed or would prepare at least for the skills needed mm-hmm. and maybe companies could in a way adjust their innovation rate to their resources to their human resources mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because if um, if you have a technological innovation that is going to cost a lot of your loss and make everything so much faster mm-hmm. but but no one in the job market currently or very, very, very few people in the job market can fulfill that position. Yeah. What is the use? Say you found that person and then there are many people who would be applying. There are many people who are out yeah, of jobs. Of, like for, basically, yeah, a lot of wastage happen, waste. ha- ha- yeah. happens in this process. And since you mentioned about this, uh, like everybody is in different directions. I think at a very high level, we recognize at some point that the industry, the business asks for something, but the academia is giving something else. Mm. At least this is what happened in our school. That's what I think. And I'm sure this might be a problem with other schools as well. So I don't understand like how businesses and schools are tackling this. Mm -hmm. Because what I can say is that B schools, this is also something from one of my researches in the very early stages of my MBA hunt where I found that B school business is the biggest in the world. Like all these B schools Mm -hmm. make a lot of money out of education, which is a separate thing altogether. It cannot be connected to how many people you have given out like where is your product going in the market like if a B school is a company let's say if it's an organization you get students and you are graduating student as a product for the consumers that are the businesses out Mm. there right Mm. So this is a very tricky situation and people need to look into this very deeply before they decide to pursue an MBA, I think, after my experience. Mm. And um, Actually, I got an idea about yeah. this, for example, yeah. since you were, were thinking about giving some tips mm-hmm. for those considering this. Yeah. Maybe what I would have done before, I yeah. would have made this list of 10 companies I would like to join. Yeah. This is a tip I heard from one of the headhunters. Yeah. So you create that list of companies that you really want to join, say mm-hmm. in the Netherlands, since I'm coming to the Netherlands or all over yeah. Europe. And then I would email maybe, I would advise anyone interested in the MBA mm-hmm. to contact these HR managers or someone from the C-suite in, in those companies mm-hmm. and ask them, how do they perceive the MBA right. or like considering your profile? Do they think... Before that coming. Before, before coming. That's before very, coming that's, to the MBA, at least you, yeah. you have a sense of what, what how companies will perceive you right. after the MBA because... Right. Since there is a lot of talk about MBA not being, you know, useful at all, yeah. check that with your company. Yeah, your, aspirations. Uh, yeah, yeah, at least, yeah, with, with the list of companies yeah. Yeah. that you're interested in. Yeah. I would like to reiterate that I do believe that the yeah. MBA is important. Yeah. To me, the MBA inadvertently taught me a lot. A definitely, lot, just definitely. By, just by, you know, even having the course of finance and accounting, which were completely alien to yeah. me. Yeah. It made me understand things and see things a whole lot different. Yeah, like for me, I can gauge it in a way where I can't say that I am a master in this thing now, but at least I know about it. I can understand it. Yeah, I I can like... 
read about it now which i used to ignore earlier and more than read about yeah. it say in a company yeah. and you are in one department yeah. and you have to obviously you have to coordinate with other departments yeah. that are not part of your specialties yeah. with an mba you can at least understand the basics so you can communicate with right. them better right. Right. and you know how how to find common grounds between what you want and what they want and then the collaboration will be successful right. just by having you know having dipped your toes in in many waters mm-hmm. now you can yeah. you know how it's to a good thing them. yeah it's a good so, thing in a way so yeah, yeah but but definitely since it's uh, so debatable the yeah, the value of an mba definitely i would say for people thinking about it yeah. contact hr managers and see how they yeah, perceive how it. they perceive it. yeah that's very true actually this is a very interesting point because now all the dream companies that i had they don't care about mba So this is the thing. This feels so stupid that I never, mm-hmm. never looked into it. I was, I was hoping that if I do an MBA and if I write a beautiful motivation letter telling them about my intent and my interest in this area, yeah. they would accept me. But that's not the case. Yeah. Which uh, might happen to a lot of people. And maybe also it might happen to other sectors, not just the MBA, because maybe other people don't necessarily see the value of this sector, yeah, that yeah. one, or this certificate, or that yeah. one. But I still believe, I still believe definitely that MBA is capable of. creating managers yeah. not the kind of managers we saw last year in that yeah, yeah, ad yeah. Uh, but managers who are aware yeah. of the rest of the company and i do believe it's necessary right like the difference between my expectations in reality has been there there were some expectations where i was expecting that it would be hard for me to get a job so mm-hmm. that's more or less same as the reality it is hard to get a job but as you mentioned about the popularity of mba that was something unexpected that i was not expecting that people just don't give any value to mba because this is quite a global degree today and i expected employers to know about it which was a surprise for me what i expected mainly of coming to the netherlands and doing an mba yeah. was to find more opportunities that were available in my home country mm-hmm. and also Lebanon was going economically bad and then in October 2019 things blew up yeah. and and right now we're having a lot of difficulties so so objectively speaking I still have more opportunities here that fun grow. fact now with the pandemic the situation is more made everything more difficult. yeah i'm not i didn't feel like the pandemic really um yeah. influenced decreased my chances because it seems yeah. that it's i still find job posts and i still receive the yeah. quick rejections so yeah. so things are it's pretty more much the same less, yeah. yeah pretty much the same yeah But I hope to receive something new. Maybe if the situation in Lebanon was a little bit more more calmer, yeah. I might have considered going back there for yeah. for a while to recollect all my strengths and to be able to collect to get certificates that now even after having graduated with an MBA, now the recruiters have tell, told me that I need the certificate and that and that and this. Yeah. So now if there's a lesson I learned yeah. from from the whole experience, yeah. many 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 lessons. Yeah. But the lesson I did not expect to learn was mm. to prepare. you have to prepare and don't think mm-hmm. you can live apparent without networks i came to the netherlands yes. because i thought things are so systematic and they don't really need us to rig the system by creating a network and by, by calling on the phone speaking on the phone i thought everything will be on the websites online every yeah. streamlined already yeah that fairness that you expected out of not things. necessarily fair, yeah, fairness like, but at least organization streamlined streamlining yeah, yeah streamlining yeah. turn out that it's not yeah. so and you cannot know this by research. you have to talk to people to know this so if you are considering moving to a different country yeah. i don't know if other people have this approach i used to be a whole an advocate of the yeah. dive head yeah, in yeah, I, yeah. i don't look i yeah. don't even watch trailers of movies i just yeah. go in and be surprised yeah 
and generally things happen yeah, well yeah. and if you want to learn you can learn and yeah, make things if well, you have but, the intent you do but, do that but I mean, yeah. you can significantly improve your chances of getting what you want if you research not just online yeah. get in personal contact and get on the phone with people from the country that you're interested in yeah. going to yeah. so that they can tell you these uh, unspoken things uh, things about language things about which area they yeah. will not hire from which career path that is yeah. acceptable or not yeah. etc yeah thanks a lot for uh, sharing your uh, feedback and your insights and your experiences with us and maybe this is one part of the many discussions that we would like to have further because there are many other areas that come out of this discussion the school that we attend and we can talk about that the areas that you would want to target mm-hmm. or maybe there are people who would want to work in the areas that you want to work in we can talk about that i can talk about my background yeah. I, I i came from fashion technology i've been applying in fashion technology i'm getting no jobs so why is that yeah so I we can talk about these it's, areas it's, as well yeah and i think yeah, yeah this is what's nice like, like i'm putting all the keywords in everything like i i, I was a merchandiser i am trained as a merchandiser i apply for a job as a merchandiser i get rejected why somebody yeah. explain that to me i also was rejected i worked yeah. for seven years in internal yeah. uh, communication i come from a background of organizational yeah. psychology and hr yeah. did an mba yeah. and i was applying to a job of uh, internal communication yeah. to to support hr and yeah. i was rejected yeah actually one one thing uh, since you mentioned this this because i thought this might be the reason do you think being a non-european is is a thing and employers don't tell you about it openly yes yes i definitely believe so um and and i had an experience about this yeah. with, with this particularly one of the rejections i received really 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 quickly yeah. to a job that i matched very nicely with yeah. caught my eye so i called the recruiter to ask about the rejection given yeah. that my cv is a complete match yeah and uh, the recruiter told me first that i don't have the experience mm-hmm. when i pointed her to the cv yeah. to my cv just like it's yeah. mentioned here here yeah. and there she told me oh yes indeed but you don't have the right to work in the eu and we have to get people from the eu why, why couldn't you tell and, this and this is not go? and yeah. this is not an exceptional case yeah. because also when i was rejected to another job that i was a very good match with yeah i asked a headhunter because here i said i don't want to assume since that yeah. company is not replying to yeah. me I asked the headhunter and she told me it's probably because you don't have the work in EU and you kind of in Maastricht and also maybe you need to edit this and this and that with your CV. But it's not just on our minds. It's not that we are not accepted. And even recruiters are asking. Yeah, yeah. Recru- headhunters are telling me this straight up. Yeah. You live in Maastricht. You don't have the right yeah. to work in EU. Yeah. And this clashes a little bit with all the yeah. fair competition, fair trade, fair... Everything. All the fair words that are being used, used. especially in Europe. Right. Right. They, they clash yeah because, because my, my point is that it's okay like feelings of protectionism nationalism and all these things are everywhere yeah. on a high right but now but be Let's honest say, about it be honest about it and if you cannot employ then don't educate also in the first place that's what yeah, i'm saying yeah. like if <laughs> what was yeah what's the point of an international experience exactly. they say that okay as an international experience you came here you lived here one year two years did your education and went back home yeah to me this is not really really ex- exposure i didn't exactly. I, i came to study here to make it possible for me to work, work here. here and But, then to understand things well, yeah when you work in a specific culture you learn so much Obviously. from work even at your own home country 
country. The work is where you learn. This is where you get the culture exactly. and your experiences. So if you can give the education, but yeah. not what activates it, the education, which is the job, yeah. then maybe either improve it before you launch it or do not launch it when it's incomplete. Exactly. When I was talking about the business of B-schools altogether, that's where it comes down to that if you're doing this just for the sake of making business, then you're doing a very good job. Mm. But you have an answerability. You have a responsibility to get that student placed. This is a big thing that I'm. Uh, many people would disagree with this, that you as a student have the responsibility to make yourself employable. It's not just the college. Mm. But I would beg to differ because I came from a faraway land here on a promise right and i don't care if it's the school or it's the people or it's the country it's a whole package for me and everybody has to contribute to that yeah somewhere and yeah. that is where i found the mismatch yeah i think that universities definitely can do play a, a great part in, in 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 helping an applicant get a job yeah i still believe that it is eventually the student's responsibility to land a job but yeah. i also believe that the university has a huge role to play also in terms of connections yeah for example if we since we are in Maastricht and yeah. companies are much you know it's not easy for us to network because there aren't many companies around right. and so the university could help with making those yeah. connections and also by supporting you on social media for example yeah. all the people you've met uh, the faculty and staff and everyone for example on LinkedIn we all share many things yeah also it helps a lot when for example your professors or people you have met and experts you have met yeah. also interact with your comment yeah. on your post or uh, put a feedback about yeah, you yeah, on LinkedIn yeah. it's all there online yeah. Yeah. And, and LinkedIn plays a great part because it helps you get connections right, because right. if someone trusts a specific industry expert and this industry yeah, expert a who, that you who, see. who for example taught you at university commented on your status yeah, yeah. it's going to show on their feed exactly, exactly. So, okay let's see this article and maybe from here yeah. and there you small things that can be small done small things yeah. like that can be done yeah true, definitely but there was also one thing I yeah, just yeah. forgot to mention yeah. about yeah. Uh, about business schools being yeah. a business business of money yeah. making entity. money making entry yeah. i think also yeah. it would make even more money more profitable if the mbas are more aligned to what companies want i like a framework called the triple helix yeah. where in the triple helix there would be heavy collaborations between the private sector mm-hmm. governmental the governments and academia yeah i believe these three when they collaborate yeah. they can for example create mbas that are well suited for what the companies yeah. would need yeah. eventually yeah. So yeah. I do believe that there should be not only a conversation between us and recruiters, but yeah. also between companies, governments, and at least companies and universities to improve, to at least close this ever morphing yeah, gap. Yeah. I really hope that there's something worthy for somebody who would have listened to this. Also, you might know someone who might be planning for an MBA or some kind of higher education outside their home country. The goals of every person are different, but mostly the idea is to get better in some way, right? So please share this podcast with that person. It would really be awesome. If you have some experiences, thoughts, observations, ideas, or anything that you might not have been able to get out in the open, why don't you consider talking to me on this podcast? It might be fun. You never know. You can write to me on info at dhwani.co.in. You can log on to dhwani.co.in slash podcasts. You can send me voice notes on my Facebook profile. That way I can directly include your sound in this podcast. Or if you like, you can also DM me on Instagram. All details are there in the show description. 
Thanks to Maya Abdoni for this awesome discussion. She was my classmate from the MBA and she is also a very very dear friend. The show was produced and hosted by me Parth Chauhan. The theme music was composed by an Italian whose artist name is Cute by Honey Bunch. He also works under a collective called Own Tempo Limited. The branding was done by Soumya Garg and a great amount of support has been provided by you my dear listener. So thank you. Dhoni podcast is on all major platforms including Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Amazon Echo, Jio Seven and every Please subscribe and follow. It's absolutely free of cost. Well, hope to see you next week. Till then, thank you. Bye. Toot jeans, doey.